Hello and welcome back to the Trade Breakdown. Tonight will be the first time that we actually suggest a trade, we break down a trade. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to apologize for anybody who listened to the, fir- the, the intro podcast. There was some background music on there, which I'm not sure exactly how it got on because I'm new to this whole podcasting thing. Uh, some combination of like a 1980s porn and coffee house loungy music. I think I've figured out the kinks here and gotten rid of the, the background music, but um, for those who had to sit through it uh, while listening to the last episode, I apologize. Anyway, back onto the show and our regularly scheduled broadcast here. Uh, today we're trading the great Manuel Arturo Machado, better known as Manny Machado or Yonder Alonso's brother-in-law, one of the two. But Machado, who for my money, is the most valuable franchise, the most valuable asset the Baltimore Orioles franchise has had, maybe ever, uh, at least since Cal Ripken Jr. was patrolling uh, Camden Yards back in, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. But Manny Machado is the Baltimore Orioles these days. He leads the team in Batting average is batting 346, OPS, OPS over 1050, he's got nine jacks, leads the team in homers, runs, RBIs, hits, even doubles. A guy leads the team in everything. Uh, he's He's been a six-war player three times in his career. He's on pace for it again, which will be his fourth time. And unfortunately for the Orioles, he's coming up on free agency. He's only 25 years old. It's rare the player of his talent hits free agency at at only 25, so it's expected that he'll make probably 200 to 300 million dollars in his next contract. Are the Orioles willing to be the highest bidder for his services for the next eight to ten years? Uh, I guess it's possible, but probably doubtful. Uh, let's let's fall under the doubtful camp, or consider me one of the those in the doubtful camp. He also plays great, uh, I forgot to mention, he plays great, aside from the unbelievable offense, he also plays great defense. Might be one of the top three defensive third basemen in the league. Uh, He's an okay shortstop, he's an average shortstop, but when you're getting the kind of production that you are offensively from from your shortstop, that's a huge advantage. But he's only average defensively at short, or at least he has been this year. He came up as a shortstop, he's an unbelievable third baseman. Uh, just an average shortstop, but he can play there in a pinch, and he's playing there this year for the Orioles. Anyway, uh, he's looking at 200 to $300 million in his next deal. The Orioles right now are 8-26. and 26. That's, 18 games under five, that's 18 games under 500 for the mathematically challenged, and that's not good. The Orioles right now, according to Fangraphs, have a 0.0 chance of making the postseason, but... For those a little bit more optimistic, uh, for Orioles fans that are a little bit more optimistic, you might want to pay attention to baseball prospectus's odds, which give them a an infinitely better chance of making the postseason. Baseball prospectus has them at 0.1%. They're not making the postseason. Um, even that 0.1% might be a, a rounding error. But they're not making the postseason this year. Their farm system is weak at best. Uh, they don't really have any high-level prospects or anybody who's close who's going to make a meaningful difference this year. They're on the verge of losing Machado to, to free agency, as I mentioned, uh, once the season's over. So they're faced with the, the harsh reality that they probably have to trade him now 
in order to get something in return for him more than uh, more than a pick, a draft pick that they'll get a comp- compensation pick for um, for losing him to, in free agency at the end of the season. So if I'm a rational team and one of the, the other 29 teams thinking about acquiring Machado, uh, if I'm them, I'm thinking about acquiring him right now. Let me get five months of his service instead of just three months, instead of waiting for July when I'll only get three months of service. Let me trade for the guy right now. He can help me for five months and he can turn my team around or, or give me that extra push to, to get my team to the postseason and hopefully make a run when we're there. If I'm the Orioles um, and I'm trading Machado, I'm probably looking for one of two things. One is prospects and all the trades you hear out there is Machado for prospects. Who's willing to give up prospects? But possibly more importantly, uh, financial future financial flexibility is another asset that could come by trading Machado. We'll get to that in a second, a couple ideas, but trading a salary along with Machado could be just as valuable as getting a, a prospect back in return. Um, I think, again, we're, we're, we're dealing with the rational here, so if I'm a rational team, I'm only trading for Machado, if I think that either A, I don't have to give up a big-time prospect to get him, to rent him for the rest of the year, or B, I can sign him long-term. I'm a little bit more willing to give up a big-time prospect if I can sign him long-term. It's not crazy about the idea because I can sign him for just money come uh, October and November when the Orioles season's done, but it's still a possibility. So let's go through, we have, like I said, we have 29 teams that, that could potentially trade for services uh, I broke them down to a couple different categories, with the first being the non-starters. So here are the, the potential trade partners and those that will not do business, that the Orioles will not do business with. The first, of course, is the evil empire, the New York Yankees. Uh, Dan Duquette might be the GM of the Orioles in name, but Peter Angelos calls the shots when it comes to big-time player personnel moves, and I can't fathom a scenario in which Angelo signs off on a deal to the Yankees. He's not helping his bitter rival. Uh, Got to think the Yankees are out as a trade partner. Just below the Yankees on Angelos's most hated list are the Washington Nationals. Local rivalry. Angelos, there's been some, a lot of heat. Anybody living in the Baltimore metro, the D.C. metro area knows how much Angelo hates uh, the Nationals and them coming into his territory. So he's not trading Machado to the Nationals. And then just below the Yankees and the Nationals are the Red Sox. Angelos, again, not signing off on a deal to an AL East rival. So we can cross three off right off the board. Uh, we'll call them the non-starters. And actually, Manny Machado would make any team in baseball better, but there's one team that actually doesn't need his services or would benefit least from acquiring his services, and that's the Houston Astros. The Astros are set in the infield. They've got uh, Alex Bregman playing third, Carlos Correa playing short, and Jose Altuve playing second. I don't see any of them moving to first base, and I don't know where Machado plays. Machado's not going to first base. I just don't think they have room for Machado. Now, again, would he make them better even as a DH? Of course, but... If they're going to trade assets, the Astros are going to trade assets to the Orioles. I think they're going to, or excuse me, if they're going to trade assets, I think it's going to be to a team, not the Orioles, to get either more pitching, even though their pitching's been unreal, 
or maybe some outfield help, but they're not getting um, left side of the infield or up the middle help. They could use a first baseman, but um, Machado's not doing that for them. So four teams right there are out. Now we want to talk about some teams that can sign him long-term. Actually, more specifically, let's talk about the teams that that wouldn't sign him long-term. And with revenue sharing the way it is and with the league being as profitable as it's been in the recent, um, these past few years, most, if not all teams, should be able to make room to sign Machado. Um, Yes, he's an expensive player, but you get creative. If you have a chance to sign Manny Machado, you do what you can. Uh, that's not how some of these team oper- teams operate. And we'll go through the list of teams that just are not opening the, the checkbook for, for one guy at, at 25 or $35 million, whatever he'll command this offseason. Um, the first of those teams being the Indians. I think the Indians would be a great... If the Orioles do decide to trade, uh, trade him as a rental... I think the Indians could come into play because they can afford him for the rest of this year. He's only making $16 million this year. So prorate that, and you're looking at another $12 million or so that the Indians would have to pay, or any team that acquires him would have to pay for the rest of the season. The Indians could afford that. He might be the difference between getting them to Game 7 of the, play, of the World Series and not having enough to getting them over that hump and getting Cleveland its, its World Series. But I don't think that Cleveland is signing him long-term, so for now, let's leave them out. Other teams, I think, that wouldn't sign him, uh, the A's, the Rays, the Reds, kind of your classic classic cheap franchises. Uh, the Padres would like to make a splash, but I don't think that they can do it. The Pirates, they don't sign anybody except they kind of gave a good deal to, or a, a bigger deal to McCutcheon, but even that wasn't at market value. Um, I think they're out. The Royals and Twins... Uh, I think they have the, the financial wherewithal to sign, uh, the capacity to sign Machado, but I just don't think that they would, nor do I think that he would go to Kansas City or to Minnesota, but let's knock them out. And two more teams, or a few more teams here. Um, the Braves, which interesting piece, they're a young, up-and-coming team. Uh, if they ever found the money to sign him, you know, watch out, because... With Ozzy Albies and Acuna, that team could be really exciting for a lot. They have great pitching prospects coming up. I don't think that they've signed or they haven't signed big-time free agents in the recent past. And as a Mets fan, I hope that they continue that trend because that's a team that would be unbelievable uh, if they added Machado to the middle of the lineup. But for now, let's count them out. The Brewers, not going to sign him or trade for him. Um the Colorado Rockies have too much invested in their bullpen. I think they're out too. The Florida Marlins or Miami Marlins, showing my age there. Uh, we know everything that's going on down in Miami, not happening. Kind of a joke to even suggest it. And then one more team that I mentioned, the Mets. I wish, wish that the Wilpons would open up the checkbook and and pay Manny to, to man the left side of the infield for the next decade or so, but I just don't think the Wilpons have it in them. For whatever reason, they're a big market team, but they spend like they're in Tampa. Not happening to... Machado's not coming to Flushing anytime soon. So, 
those are the guys that wouldn't sign him. Those are the non-starters. Um, the, the guys who wouldn't sign him long-term. The non-starters. And then you have three other teams I'd like to throw into the mix here. Teams that actually can't use Machado this year. He wouldn't be much help this year because I, they're essentially eliminated from playoff contention already. And that's the Tigers, White Sox, and Rangers. Interestingly, all three teams might have the money to sign him. I don't know that he'd sign there, but they could come up with the money to sign him uh, this offseason. I don't think he's a perfect fit at any of those three places. But for now, uh, he just doesn't help them enough this year to, to make a difference or to give up anything of value. So the Tigers, White Sox, and Rangers are out as well. That knocks out 20 of our 29 teams. We only have 29 trade part, potential trade partners, and that's 20. So we haven't even talked about what the Orioles would get in return, but just based on those few criteria, um, we're down to nine potential trade partners. So it's highly unlikely. We have nine trade partners. Uh, it's highly, highly unlikely that anybody would give up top-level prospects and give the Orioles financial flexibility that that uh, they would need or that they would want. So we have to prioritize the two. And for my money, everybody's focusing on the prospects. I'm going to take a different route. I'm going to focus on the, the flexibility. And to me, the flexibility starts with one name, and that's Chris Davis. Chris Davis has possibly one of the three, four, or five worst contracts in baseball. After this season, he's still owed four years and $85 million on his deal. Plus, he's owed the prorated amount of his $21 million deal this year. So conservatively, let's say that's $15 million. Over the next four-plus seasons, he's owed over $100 million. What are the Orioles getting back for that investment? Well, this year in 111 at-bats, he's got four extra base hits, two of which are homers. Uh, He's batting 171. He's slugging under 250. He's just not producing. And for a a mid-market team like the Orioles, uh, that just drags a franchise down. So what I'm going to look to do here in this trade is to pair Machado um, with the Davis contract and hope we can find a partner that will take both so that we can essentially start from scratch. Let's knock the payroll down to a small number and and we'll build up. We don't want the the Albatross-Davis contract weighing down our franchise for the next four plus years. So let's... With our next filter here, let's identify some teams that could both acquire, who could afford to acquire Chris Davis, and who can play him. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I've mentioned he's not producing, but if you're going to take a flyer on a $100 million guy, you got to make sure that you can get him in the lineup. You're not going to spend $100 million to, to watch a guy ride the bench. you got to think that you can, you can tweak some mechanics or help him somewhere along the line, clean up the swing, shorten the swing, do something to get him to be even league average. You're going to you know, you're making the trade because of Machado, but you don't want this this albatross just sitting on the pine. So this now eliminates five more teams. I think the Angels in the American League are out. They're already stuck with the Pujols contract. They have Pujols playing um, either first base or DH with Otani. I just don't think that there's room for for both of those terrible contracts. So the Angels are out. From the National League, which is a little bit more difficult to find a fit because obviously there's no DH, so we need a, a, a slot at first base or a first baseman who can shift to the outfield. Unfortunately for the Phillies, 
the Phillies just signed Carlos Santana this offseason, three-year, $60 million deal. Um, Davis just doesn't fit on that team because Santana's not shifting to the outfield. Now, another scary proposition for Mets fans, Machado could definitely sign in Philly. He could be their third baseman for the next decade and just crush the hopes and dreams of all Mets fans, which would be, it's a realistic possibility, I think a more realistic possibility than than the Braves. I have nightmares just thinking about that possibility, but uh, it's definitely real. The Diamondbacks, shift to the Diamondbacks. Paul Goldschmidt, he's your, is their first baseman. He's not going to the outfield. They just don't have room for him. Uh, the Giants, little known fact, I, I this shocked me when I read it, but the Giants actually have the second highest payroll in baseball. Talk about money not well spent. Uh, they're locked into too many long-term bad deals. I don't think they're willing to take Chris Davis. They also have Brandon Belt uh, signed for the next few years at a contract in the 17 to $20 million a year range that I don't think they'd be able to get off of. So the Giants are out as well. And then another team who might be a fit either as a rental uh, to rent Machado or to sign him in the offseason, but I don't think that they'd be willing to, to take Chris Davis along with Machado, is the Cubs. Rizzo's not going to the, Anthony Rizzo's not going to the outfield. He's uh, a fixture at first base, and uh, the Cubs have a good thing going. Rizzo's not hitting all that well so far this year, still early, but the Cubs, for this discussion, are out. So we're down to, to four potential trade partners at this point, and I'm going to whittle that list down a little bit more by adding two teams that won't do business with us for a combination of different factors. One is the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't think that Angelos is all that keen on trading Manny within the division. I also don't think he'd sign in Toronto long-term, and they really don't have room for Chris Davis either. Um, None of those reasons in particular, they don't fit into one of the previously mentioned buckets perfectly, but for a combination of reasons, I think they're out. Another team similar to the Blue Jays is the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals have room for Davis. Jose Martinez has done a really nice job playing first base for them. Uh, they also have Matt Carpenter playing first base a little bit. They're pretty loyal to him, even though he's hit very poorly this year. Uh, and a few years back, they let Albert Pujols go before he got too expensive, and that worked out great for them. I don't think they'd be willing to take on the Davis contract. So we're down to two teams now that could pot and again, we haven't even talked about the return yet of what the Orioles could get. We're just talking about um, them getting off the Davis contract while giving up Manny. Leaves us with two teams. Uh, the first, which I can make an argument for, I won't hear, but I think that this is more believable and an under-the-radar team is the Seattle Mariners. Robinson Cano is signed for another five years, 125 million. So that's a, a big deal. Uh, I don't know that they want to. They want their left side of the infield to be to be paying the, the excuse me the right side of their infield 150. Uh, let me let me start this this thought over. I'm not sure that the Mariners would want to pay the right side of their infield a combined 50 million dollars over the next four years while paying that money to Robinson Cano and Chris Davis. Um, I might be able to convince myself, or from the Mariners, if I could trade Kyle Seeger, uh, throw Machado a third, 
play Davis at first. Um, it can work short term. It can work for the rest of the year. Is Machado signing in Seattle long term? I doubt it. And I think for that reason, the Mariners are probably out. If they can get some sort of assurance, they would need it more so than the next team I'm about to talk talk about. Um, but the Mariners would need some sort of assurance that, that Machado would sign long term before taking on this Davis contract. Uh, the Mariners are in the upper half of, of spending, but just not willing. It's a huge gamble to take for the next five months when you have the Astros in your division, the Angels in your division, and they might be lucky to to make the wild card this year. Is that enough of an upside to take on the huge potential downside of, of the remaining $100 million of Davis's contract? I don't think so. So that basically leaves us with, or in my my suggestion here is to, to focus um, the efforts, if I'm Dan Duquette, on the L.A. Dodgers. Now, people have thrown out the Dodgers. As soon as Seager, Corey Seager now got hurt, people have been throwing out the, the Machado to the Dodgers to play short for a prospect, giving prospects, prospects, prospects. Uh, the problem with that is that the Dodgers are doing everything they can to stay under the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax, and taking on the $15 million or $12 million more of Machado's contract um, will we'll blow them right by that number. They've already been five-time repeat offenders of the luxury tax, so they've spent more than the luxury tax minimum or threshold for five straight seasons. So as five-time repeat offenders, every dollar they spend over the luxury tax threshold, they owe a 50-cent penalty. To put that in perspective, over the last five years, they've spent an additional, in addition to their regular payroll, $250 million in penalties um, for going over the threshold. By going under for even one year, you reset the calculation so that in subsequent, the first time you go back over the threshold, you don't pay 50 cents, you pay something like 17 and a half cents, but when you're dealing with huge numbers like this, those numbers add up really quickly. So if we're going to deal with the Dodgers, and I suggest we are, and we do, we need to keep the Dodgers' salary, uh, excuse me, the Dodgers' payroll under the luxury tax threshold. Let's break down the Dodgers here a little bit. The Dodgers are 15 and 19 uh, on the season. They just lost Clayton Kershaw to injury. I, I mentioned earlier that Corey Seager went down with injury. He's gone for the year. Fangraphs is still fairly bullish on them, giving... Well, let me start with baseball perspectives. Baseball perspective, prospectus uh, gives them a 50% chance to make the postseason as of this point in time. Baseball uh, Fangraphs is more bullish at 61%. They give the Dodgers a 61% chance to make the playoffs this year. And just a quick aside here, somehow the, Do- uh, the Diamondbacks were 23-11, and 11 only have a 62% chance of making the playoffs. Um, I don't necessarily buy that number, but that's what Fangraphs is telling me, and we all know if it's on the internet, it must be true. I I think that number should be questioned, but I digress. Anyway, so the Dodgers have Cody Bellinger playing first base right now. Bellinger actually came up as an outfielder and can be shifted back to the outfield. So they can make room for Davis. They have a, a place for him to play. Um... Machado for the rest of the year can play shortstop 
Uh, they also have Chris Taylor. The Dodgers have Chris Taylor playing short. He shifted from center field to play short. Either he can go back to center field or Machado can play third base for now. And then when Justin Turner comes back from injury, he can play second. He actually came up as a second baseman or a utility guy, but he played a lot of second base for the Mets um, a few years back. And he's, he's not a horrible second baseman. And with the offense that he puts up, he'd actually be a very valuable second baseman. So you'd have Machado at, let's just say Machado at third, Taylor at short, Turner at second. You can get rid of the ghost of Chase Utley at second base, another benefit of this deal. And Davis at first. Um, so what would the Dodgers be willing to trade, or what kind of trade would make sense for the Dodgers to uh, to make this kind of move and to take on this huge salary of Davis? Um, I, I think a deal structured like this makes sense. The Orioles would trade Manny Machado, Chris Davis, and $10 million this year. So the Orioles would cover $10 million of Davis's contract to the Dodgers for Matt Kemp, Logan Forsyth, and some sort of a B-level, mid-level prospect. For now, just to, to throw a name out there, I'm going to go with Gavin Lux, who was a 2016 first-rounder. Uh, not much with a stick right now, or at least so far, but only two years removed from being a first-rounder. Maybe there's a little bit of upside there for the Orioles to, to get excited about. But the real focus here is... You know, he's kind of an afterthought or a small piece of this deal. Let's just talk about the salaries here and how they match up. So Machado, and let's just talk full-year salaries. Let's not get into proration. That's just a layer of complication now. Let's just talk about full-year salaries. So Machado is making $16 million. Davis is making $21 million. But the Orioles are going to pay 10 of that. So Davis is essentially making $11 million plus Machado's 16 gets you to $27 million coming into L.A. And L.A. is shipping out $21 million for Kemp and $9 million for Forsyth. So they're shipping out $30 million. So this actually reduces their their bill, <laughs> their payroll bill for this season, which is important because um, by my math, they're about $8 million below the luxury tax threshold. This would put them to... $11 million under that number. And if they do make a run here, it gives them a little bit of spending space. Uh, they don't want to butt up against that, that luxury tax threshold number. So it gives them a little bit of space to, to wheel and deal come July, come August, if somebody gets released. Um, you know, the Dodgers can make a move and not be hamstrung knowing that they're right up against the deadlines, uh, excuse me, against the threshold. So... It works from a dollar perspective as well. So that's number one for for um, the <coughs> excuse me for the Dodgers is the money works. Number two, they get Machado into the lineup. We, we talked about them having a fifty percent chance or sixty one percent chance, depending on who you believe, of making the postseason. Machado jacks that number; he cranks it right up. Uh, you're probably looking at. Um, between a 65 and a 75% chance of making the postseason by my math. And if you're spending $180, $185 million a year on payroll, you're not going to throw away a season. There's no such thing as a rebuilding year when you're spending that kind of money. You're spending $185 million, you're expecting to make the postseason, and you do everything in your power to make the postseason. Uh, this helps 
tremendously in that in that endeavor. Uh, this also gives L.A. a chance to to make an impression on on Manny. Uh, he can be another superstar in L.A. Uh, as if they didn't have enough superstars already with Mike Trout and Otani and Kershaw and Seager. Let's add one more to Machado. Let's let's get the focus off of the Angels and back onto the Dodgers. Uh, this also works long term, as I mentioned. Turner can play second base. Um, Machado can either play short or third. Uh, he fits long term. He saves them some money. And if Kershaw gets healthy in the, the not too distant future, if he's only out a week or two, uh, this team can definitely make a run. Uh, they made the run last year. They won a bunch of games in a row. Uh, there's no re- It's the same team from last year, essentially. No reason that they can't do it again. It makes them better now. It makes them cheaper now. And it gives them hope of competing in 2018. Uh, from Baltimore's perspective, yes, they take on Matt Kemp's contract, but they get rid of the, the Davis contract. So Kemp has another year after this year at $20 million or so. Um, Davis has another four years after this year at $21 million. So the, the difference there is a, it's a savings of somewhere in the uh, $50 million range, even accounting for the $10 million that the Orioles would throw in this year to cover part of Davis's contract. So you're looking at a $50 million savings in exchange for three quarters or, or maybe even less of a year of Machado production in a year where the team is going nowhere. The team is not making the playoffs. You want to pay me $50 million for a guy who's leaving? I'll take that in a heartbeat. Uh, the Dodgers can potentially afford it. And let's, let's see if we can make this work uh, from a, the Logan Forsyth inclusion. Forsyth is he's only making nine million dollars. His contract is due to expire at the end of this season. But if a contender has an injury between now and the trade deadline, whether it's the July trade deadline or the waiver deadline uh, at the end of August, because I'm not sure that anybody would pick him up on waivers, maybe they can get enough, the Orioles can get another asset by dealing Forsyth to uh, to a team in need of a a second baseman. So a second baseman gets hurt from another team. Uh, here we have Logan Forsyth. Give us a a low to mid-level prospect, and there's a possibility that the Orioles wouldn't even have to pay the full remaining salary for Forsyth. And then I mentioned Lux earlier. I used him kind of as a placeholder to represent a B minus B B minus prospect. He's got a little bit of upside. Again, he was the first rounder, so maybe long term you say, you know what, this at least we got Lux out of the deal. At least there's something tangible that we got aside from um, the the monetary savings. And I think, and I don't know Peter Angelos personally, but I think that he'd be much more inclined to deal Manny to the NL than he would be to deal him uh, somewhere in the American League. And what better place than to shift him all the way across to the uh, to the left coast, completely opposite of where he is right now. Um, so yeah, people would be talking about him, but He'd be in the other league. He wouldn't be um, you know, a threat to them 19 times a year like he would be with the Rays or Red Sox or Yankees or Blue Jays. So uh, I think this is an appealing deal to him, especially because it's going to save his his wallet. So that's my idea. Um, I think it's a little bit different than the way people have been thinking about it right now, which is trade prospects for Manny here. I think this is a, a slight twist on that. People have been mentioning L.A., but uh, not in this way. I think this this deal could potentially help both teams. 
So let me know what you think. Curious to to hear your thoughts. Hit me on Twitter at Breakdown Trade or on the website. And um, thanks for subscribing. Look out for the, the next podcast in the near future. Thanks.